Hey everyone, welcome to the Eagle Community Church Podcast. My name is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister here at our church. This week we're talking about the story, chapter 13. And in this chapter, we see the life of Solomon. Solomon's life is quite fascinating because his reign begins with this prayer of, Lord, just give me wisdom to know how to rule the people. And because he prays in this way, God grants him not only the wisdom, but also riches and long life and all of these things. But Solomon, even with all of his wisdom, though people came from everywhere to hear him, even as wise as he was, he started making wrong decisions that led him on a path away from God. I think we can still learn a lot from this story about not only Solomon's uh, issues, but our own. And so I I hope you're blessed by this sermon. Uh, Again, come see us sometime. Have a great week. Kicked in and I put that empty cup right back in that tray. <laughs> My nine year old looked at me and he said, Did you put that back? I said, I saw an empty one in there. And then, uh, you know, I thought I'd get by with that. And as Scott came back around, there was one solo cup <laughs> in there. Sorry, left side. It's amazing, kind of how. How that muscle memory works, just I, I knew better. Uh, but uh, nine-year-old looks at you like you're crazy, and that's, that's always a good day. Uh, thank you, Jordan, for leading, leading us in worship this morning. Again, we're glad that, that you're here with us as we uh, go through the story. Again, the story, if you haven't been with us, is uh, kind of put together by Randy Frazee as, as kind of a, uh, a highlights of the Bible type of thing, the big uh, kind of big stories. And last week we talked about David and Bathsheba, which when I was at Mineral Springs, we did not break for Easter like we're going to do next week. We kept on going, and the Easter sermon fell on the David and Bathsheba day. So that was an interesting day. <laughs> Show up for Easter ready for uh, an Easter sermon, you get David and Bathsheba. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but this week we start off with uh, one of David's sons, Solomon. The story uh, begins with Bathsheba going to David and, and reminding David that you promised that Solomon would sit on your throne. And David, as an old man at this time, says, yes, it, it will be so. And so we see the beginning of the reign of Solomon. And Solomon's story kind of begins uh, here from 1 Kings 3, verses uh, 1 through 15. Got a little buzzing all of a sudden, I don't know why. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places. And just as an aside, uh, most of the time in Scripture, when you see someone sacrificing at the high places, this is not good. Uh, this, a, a lot of Canaanite worship happened at sites just like this. And so when you see people sacrificing in high places, a lot of times that means idol or other god worship. Now, the scripture here gives us a, a because, because a temple had not yet been built for uh, the name of the Lord. Okay, so probably a lot of people were doing it in the right way, but... Uh, again, one of the things they wanted to avoid was being like all of these other idol worshipers. And so part of their worship here looked like uh, maybe they were worshiping an idol. Just 
hold on to that as you as you read scripture. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on at the high places. You get that now? Uh, verse 4, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Anyone had God show up and ask that? Yeah. I said in Bible class, more wishes, please. That's what I would like. But Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized that it had been a dream. Solomon was blessed with exactly what God told him he would be blessed with, wasn't he? Solomon begins his, uh, this part of his life uh, kind of accruing fame, so much so that, that kings and queens from all over that, that part of the world traveled just to see him and just to hear the wisdom that he would talk about. That happens to me almost <laughs> daily. Anybody else? I don't, I don't have... Uh, the wisdom, we, we're going to read some examples, but can you imagine if we just came up with some, some proverbs of our own? Mine would be so ridiculous. Something like, Q-tips never fly straight. <laughs> Amen to that, anybody? You might as well lean over because you're going to have to anyway. <laughs> but Solomon actually had true wisdom. Uh, some of the, uh, the famous things, well, I guess I could finish verse 15 there. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17, one of the Proverbs of Solomon, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. A lot of wisdom behind that. We think about our Christian life, and we think about sometimes we may be tempted to kind of isolate but what we need is each other, right? Wisdom in that. Proverbs 22, 1, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Sometimes we want to put that aside and say, no, just give me the cash. 
But how many of you have taught your kids it is, it is, great, it is a great thing to have a name that you can stand behind, right? Proverbs 22, 6, start children off on the way they should go or train up a child in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs, again, are, are things that are generally true. This is not always true that children can turn away, but when you set a good foundation, you are setting them up for success, right? Proverbs 26, 4 through 5, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Some of us need to hear that today, don't we? Because we'd like to answer some fools. And you're in luck because verse 5, the verse right after this says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Isn't that weird? It sounds like a, oh man, this kind of this contradicts itself. Well, Solomon is saying here in Scripture is that sometimes it's a good thing to keep your mouth shut. Don't argue with an idiot because passers-by might not know which one's which, right? <laughs> but there are some times that you need to correct someone because otherwise they'll think they are wise in their own eyes. You ever known anybody like that? Do not look or point. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of wisdom here. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. How do you know if you're a fool sitting here today? You despise any kind of wisdom or someone trying to instruct you in something. I'm not hearing it. I'm never hearing it because I already have all the answers. Well, you may be falling in, in line right here. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Man, we just need to sit and let that just pour over us this morning. There are so many things that happen in our lives that we cannot get a grasp on. Lord, why? I don't know. One of the things I, I learned very quickly going back to school to go into ministry was that I need to be okay with saying, I don't know. Because sometimes that's what you do, is you let God have it. Maybe he will give you that answer in the sweet by and by, but we don't know right now. In verse 6, in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Solomon was gifted with a great wisdom. The problem with Solomon is that he had a problem like most of us do in that we didn't wake up one morning, we didn't have this big point in our life where just something shifted and we decided, you know what, I'm not going to live for God anymore. What Solomon did is what we mostly do, and that is make small decisions that in the moment seem fine, but over time led him and lead us away from God. If you don't hear anything else in this sermon today, I want you to take away this sentence. My choices matter. Everybody say that with me. My choices matter. Now look at your neighbor and say, your choices matter. Some of you are wanting to do that anyway. Like, just give me a chance, John, I'll do it. Because they do. 
oftentimes, again, it's not a, a big decision on I'm going to turn away from God. I'm going to start following this. I'm going to pursue this passion that, that leads me uh, directly away from God. It, it is small things, small choices, uh, just like the, the song from Casting Crowns. I've mentioned, I don't know how many times I need to quit mentioning it. It's a slow fade. It is little choice after little choice after little choice that leads us away from God. And that's why it sneaks up on us. That one day you look around and think, man, I haven't been to church in a long time. You know what? I've quit praying. Never made a decision to quit praying, but I've quit praying. And all the other things that we, we start noticing that we have walked away from God. With Solomon, uh, in his case, uh, this is kind of the beginning of the end for him. 1 Kings 11, 1 through 8, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, again, one thing you need to know is that in, in these times, uh, a, lot of, a lot of times what kings would do is make allegiances with other, uh, other countries, other rulers. And so uh, Solomon married the, the king's daughter from Egypt, and that was to, to make this bond that well, Solomon wouldn't attack Egypt, or Egypt wouldn't attack Solomon because, well, the king's daughter's there, right? And so they would make these allegiances in this way. And so when you see that, that's part of what is going on here. He says, he, he however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their God. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth. Take a breath there, gentlemen, just for a second. And 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. Ladies, ladies, ladies. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for uh, Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. Now, I can imagine, though 700 seems a little bit too much, I can imagine as we view marriage that each time that Solomon got another wife, he thought, I want this one because I love her. She's beautiful. And all the reasons that he might come up with. But what we see in the scripture is that each decision... Again, that God had told him not to intermarry because, not because we don't like those people, but because they serve other gods. And that's what happened. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he had the wisdom, yet did not use it. And each time, each wife had a different God, and that led him astray. <coughs> because once we continue to make those little decisions, those little decisions become the norm, don't they? And after those things become the norm, everything's kind of normal, and, well, they've done it, and I've seen it done, and I, I, there's already high places. Let's worship there. And all of a sudden, I find myself 
away from God. One thing I think is very important in this scripture this morning, did you notice what scripture, how it framed David? That David was faithful to the Lord. What a blessed day if I die and that is said about John Gunter. That I have been faithful to the Lord in all my ways. But we know David's story, don't we? We know that there are ways in which David really messed up. Probably worse than most of us in some ways. Uh, you probably haven't had someone killed. I hope. We'll have a special invitation for that. <laughs> Nobody's shaking their head. But there are ways in which David really went away from God, yet Scripture says David was faithful to the Lord. Now, I want you to sit with that just a second. Because in Scripture, guess what? God knows you are human. And God knows that you sin. Do you know that? In fact, Scripture will reiterate it. And remember, when we went through a study of 1 John, we read this over and over. Um, well, let me, let me go back to this just a second. But we read that over and over that this continues to happen, Right? Scripture is not only, you know, affirming that, yes, we are human, and yes, we do sin, and we do fall short, but Scripture is also okay with you wrestling with God. Do you know that? What, what you just saw up there, what we're going to read right now, is a, is a passage from Psalm. Did you know it's okay to wrestle with God and to ask those hard questions? If you, it makes you a little nervous, just listen to this. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Those are the words of someone who is wrestling, isn't it? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I don't even see you, God. Now, remember, this got into the Bible as kind of their song book, giving words when, when other people didn't have the words to express. I can go to Psalm, and I can sing praises to God, or I can say, God... Are you going to hide from me forever? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Anyone felt like that before? Yeah. And God's okay with it. That you can wrestle and you're human so you sin. Again, 1 John, how, or the ending of, of Psalm here, how long will my enemy triumph over me? That feeling of, I can't get out of this. 1 John 8, uh, one, or 1, 8 through 10, if I can speak this morning. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I want you to notice the sandwich there in 8, then we've got 9. He will purify us, he is faithful. And by the way, again, if you didn't catch that the first time, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Scripture is okay. God is okay knowing that you are human. That you often, I, I feel like I often fall short of what God would have me to do. Anyone else? There are days or weeks that I just need to wrestle with God about my faith or about an event that has happened in my life. And God's okay with it. 
Go read the whole book of Psalms if you don't know that. But what we see in Scripture and what we see in this account of Solomon, that the thing that God is not okay with is replacing him as God. God is not okay with replacing him as God. And that's when we go back to the, the sentence, my choices matter. Who I decide to associate with matters. The small choices, and I know some of you probably need to tell your teenagers, listen up right now, right? What I decide to do, who I decide to associate with, all of those things matter. Uh, because evil can be so alluring. Anybody know that this morning? Say amen. It is. Katie and I talked to, uh, we were at a business one day, I guess a little over a week ago, and uh, this, this woman was really friendly, too much so. But uh, as she kept talking and talking, I've been around enough people in this situation to know that she either is currently or has been a drug user. And Katie caught on to that and even asked me about it later. She's like, do you think she's done drugs? I said, yeah. either right now or previously. <laughs> and as we talked about that, one thing I, I told her is, is the problem with a lot of things like this, this lady was super friendly, gave us extra of everything we ordered, let us taste test things that we didn't ask for. But that's the problem a lot of times with evil in the world. Uh, specifically in, in the drug world, some of the nicest, most, most sharing, seemingly caring people are people who are doing drugs. They will not judge you. They will accept you. They want you to join in. And, and that feeling of acceptance and, man, these people care seems good on the outside, doesn't it? But what does that one decision lead to? You know where it goes. The frying pan with the, the fried egg in it, right? Is that, some of you are old enough to get that. There you go. <laughs> this is your brain on drugs, right? But, but some of the, the nicest, most caring, most sharing people Man, I accept you as you are. Those people are, are willing to accept you so that you go with them on the path that they're going down, which we all know leads to probably where you don't want to be. And so we have to fight against the evil of the world, which can be so alluring that it looks like, and it maybe even feels like, this is where I belong. Well, it feels that way because they're not, they don't love you enough to correct you. Again, a fool does not accept correction or wisdom, right? They don't love you enough to, to stand and, and help you make decisions. I, uh, my mom's side of the family, they, they grew up, none of them had any money. Uh, mom grew up in a way that she said possum surprise was a, a regular occurrence, and she was not kidding. They did not have what, what they could catch or kill Rattlesnakes in the yard, they didn't have it. A lot of uh, my, my cousins, when we'd go up for Thanksgiving and things like that, uh, they, they smoked and did different things, and I was actually blessed because every one of them looked me in the eye and said, do not start this. And those are the kind of people that you need in your life right there. 
Not the ones that are always accepting of your behavior and always welcoming you into whatever they're doing, but people who stand their ground and say, you don't need to do this. Had Solomon had someone in his life like that, maybe he doesn't get to 700 wives from different nations who led him astray to other gods. Now, the chances are that most of you are not in a situation where you are being tempted to worship another god, though it is possible. But the people who do that, you know how powerful love is or the, uh, what you feel as love. Anybody know that? Anybody been young, in love, and pretty dumb because of it? I'll tell you what. My, uh, <laughs> previously, right? I'll just, okay. Check it. I've got, I've got a lot of my uh, small group here today, and I'm not going to embarrass y'all, so uh, they'll never speak again. They don't speak a lot anyway. But this past week, we talked about decisions that you wish you had listened to, like people gave you advice, and you're like, nah, no thanks. And when someone brought up relationships, boy, the ladies started speaking. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, I had to shut up for a minute. I felt unheard in that moment. No. But the wisest man in the world at this time, as Scripture tells us, was allured by this feeling of love. So much so that he went from God blessing him with all of these things to walking completely away from God. And unfortunately, we do that all the time. All of a sudden, something in our life is so attractive that it's something I have to do and want to do it right now. And maybe it looks good because right now, if you say, you know, anything about love, any negative thing that people love, you're going against the culture, aren't you? We can love anything. Here next week, we'll probably be marrying lamppost. I don't know. As long as you love them. But we need people in our lives to give us that advice to keep us grounded. We need to be people who look in the mirror to constantly examine, is this the way I want my life to go? Because the one thing that's going to keep you away from God is walking away from him. You understand that? God does not hover over the book of life. You remember our series. God does not hover over the book of life, erase her down, just waiting for John Gunter. Oh, I put that, I put that out there. I know John's going to mess up today. He's had two good days in a row. That third day is going to get him. God has done everything he can to make that relationship work. Have you seen that thus far, even in the Old Testament? That God keeps giving and people keep taking and then walking away. And that's what we do. You could look at your life, and if we just had a testimony, I wish we did that because we would learn a lot. We had a testimony time. But look at your own life. How has God blessed you? And then oftentimes something else seems a little more attractive in the moment, and so I'll chase that. And I'll replace God. Or I love her. Y'all don't know her like I know her. <laughs> or you wouldn't be giving me that bad advice to get away from her, Right? I wish y'all could have sat in my small group because those ladies lit up when they started talking about that. 
But we all have stories like that, right? We can be so smart. We can be trained well. We can understand what we need to be doing. And something comes along that is so alluring that it overwhelms our system. We don't make good choices. Decisions and choices. Whatever that is, the choices. The choices. Write that down, please. Paul's going to remind me that about that for weeks, I guarantee you. Years. <laughs> it's, it's happening. That we don't make good decisions, and that leads us away from God. Again, God is okay understanding we're human. God is okay. He sent Jesus because we are going to sin. You understand that? He even sent Jesus, Scripture tells us, while we were yet sinners. You have nothing to stand on. You have nothing to say, look, God, at how great I am because you died for me when I was perfect, right? That while we were yet sinners, God loved you enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for you. And we know that intellectually. And then something comes along and we walk away. So I ask you this morning as a church, are you making decisions that lead you to God or that lead you away from him? I think the most innocent of decisions can go either way. Where is your heart in all of these? Where is your heart leading you? Are you moving closer to God? Are you having that struggle? Again, as we read in Psalms, God is okay with the struggle. Some of you may need to pull that psalm back up later and just wrestle with it and say, God, this is where I am right now. That I'm struggling. I don't even know where you are. Are you saying you're going to hide your face from me forever? Because that's what it feels like. And God's all right because he sees us as his children. How many of you have raised kids? Raise your hand. Yes. God sees us just as we see our children. Do your children mess up? Good. Mine do not. I needed an example. <laughs> I was hoping somebody's did. But you don't fall in and out of love with them because of their sin, right? You don't fall in and out of love with them because they wrestle with what you have told them or things that have happened, right? You know they're going to mess up. Sometimes you look at them like, Right? Really? That, that, I say that all the time. And thank you. Really? Again? And I can only imagine God looking at me as I go through my life and looking down and saying, John, really? But he looks at me. I can't even imagine this with, with more love than I can even imagine for my own kids. That he loved me enough to send his own son to die for me, knowing that I was going to do all this. And there are times I'm going to wrestle with him. There are times I'm going to walk away. I'm going to do stupid, sinful things that I know better. And he's going to love me nonetheless. And the invitation this morning is, is yours. God loves you, and he wants you to walk beside him. He wants that relationship with you, whether you've been wrestling, whether you've been fighting, whether you've been confused about where you're going to go or what decisions you're going to make. Whether you've lived a life of sin, remember last week we talked about the, the difference in David and other people is we commit sin, but we don't live a life of sin. Is that right? Because repentance comes in there and we say, God, I am sorry for that, just like David did. And God offers you that freely. It doesn't matter what you have done. 
It doesn't matter where you have been. God wants you to come back to Him. So we offer that invitation this morning. If you haven't begun that walk with Him, uh, we'd love to baptize you. We'd love to watch you begin that walk. But if you need anything, you'd like the prayers of this church, would you come as we stand and sing?